Today's the day. Thought about it a lot last night. Today's the day. Tell you what we're talking about coming up here in a moment. Welcome to the program, the Bill Michaels Show. On the air, 877-867-1670. The logistics to get a hold of us. 877-867-1670. You can always track us down on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, Highly recommend you subscribe to YouTube. It's absolutely free, so what the heck? No harm, no foul there. Uh, Find us on Twitch TV. You can email us, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. Ben Kenny is also on Twitter at at BenZKenny. Ben, so I was kind of listening towards the end of the morning show. You No air conditioning? No air conditioning, Bill. It is a complete disaster in the Kenny household. Oh, my God. So, And it's not because, now, for people that are just listening on the network, it's not because you refuse to turn it on, correct? No, the building, and I can go find the email again, but I got an email yesterday around 1 o'clock that politely said, uh, F you, all the residents, we have chosen to not turn the AC on until May 19th. <laughs> Just, Which is a preposterous statement. Who does statement. that? Uh, who the do, what, what, what landowner does that? All of the scumbag Madison landlords. That, what, what, you know, come on, man. That's ridiculous. When you're talking, what's the difference of 88 and humid today versus 88 and humid in two weeks? Other than just them saving money. Well, the difference is I'll be able to sleep in two weeks when there's air conditioning. Are you allowed to put a window unit in? I believe so, but it was nothing I had thought of. And I'm moving out of this place in a couple weeks. Oh, okay. Well, then you had to hell with it. It didn't cross my mind, but suddenly it's 90 degrees and it's 87 in the apartment. Yeah, I came home yeah, because I yesterday during the show, for those that were listening, I just I couldn't bring myself to turn the air conditioning on. And I thought there's just no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait. It's going to cool down overnight. And it never did. I got home yesterday. Um, I got home last evening. I left, uh, you know, the windows kind of open because we were expecting all that. Remember, we were getting the whole state was under a tornado watch. And there was these severe thunderstorms predicted. Nothing happened. I mean, nothing. And I get it. Meteorologically, it was this this cap stayed on top of the area. The warm warm air didn't allow the cold air to mix, and therefore it didn't matriculate into the storms that everybody expected. Uh, but uh, I expected the the rain to come, so I didn't want to leave my house wide open. When I left, I, I went to uh, uh, up to Grafton yesterday, and there was a spring concert. Kristen's son had a spring concert yesterday, so I went to that. I got home last night. In my bedroom was 86 degrees, and it was humid. I mean, it was – now, the the, the bo- bottom portion of my, of my house and the bar and such are all below ground, so they stay like a constant 69, 70. It's great. But upstairs got warm and uh, real warm. So I finally had, I mean, last night about 9.30, there I am. I'm opening all the vents, you know, in the house and dropping down the air conditioning, you know, vents in the ceiling and such. And so I, I finally had to turn it on, and thank God that I did. I'm one of those people that need to sleep cold. So I set it at about 67 when I go to bed, and I set it at about 70 for the rest of the day. So, and it's, it's I don't know if you can hear it in the background. This is the first time I'm really doing the show with the vents wide open, but uh, you can hear a little bit, I guess. But, yeah, I had to finally turn the air conditioning on. I had, I had to succumb because it was it was toasty. And it was humid. You know, we get some humidity. You know, when I – and I'm sure in Philly, did you get a lot of humidity as a kid? During the summer, yeah. Because we would get it in that Ohio River Valley 
which was I love it. I I can I can deal with it. I, no big deal. Uh, the hotter the better. The the sweaty. You know, it's the kind of it's the kind of humidity when you walk out of the air conditioning. Uh, if you have glasses on, your glasses just fog up, condensation immediately. You know that type of it, that kind of humidity, and um, so I don't mind it. But when you try to sleep, humidity is an awful thing because you always feel wet and sticky, and you never get cool. And uh, even a fan on you doesn't really make that big of a difference. So anyway, um, can confirm. Yeah, so it was uh, it was probably not not the best of of situations. Apparently, there was a small tornado in Colfax uh, yesterday. Uh, some tree damage uh, to a golf course there in that area. Um, so, you know, glad it, that's all it did as far as damage goes. But as far as the mass outbreak of thunderstorms, because the whole state, for the most part, was under a severe thunderstorm watch or a tornado watch, I should say. And, uh, and it just never materialized. Never happened. So, anyway, which is good. Uh, glad we didn't get severe weather, but I, that's what everybody was kind of expecting. So, today, the same thing. But today, speaking of hot, Bucks need to get hot. I've thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. This is a must win for the Milwaukee Bucks. Would you agree? Ben, do you agree this is a must win? I mean, yes, but with the the caveat that a game five in any basketball series, I would consider a must win. But for this team and where they're at now and what we saw in game four, definitely. If they're up three games to one, it's not. If they're down three games to one, it is. But sitting at two and two, 70% of basketball teams in the NBA that sit with a 2-2 tie going into game five, the winner goes on to win the series. This is a must win. It's a must win for two reasons. One, you then take home court advantage back. Two, um, you have got to reestablish yourself. The rest of the world is picking against you. You have got to reestablish yourself. Since game one, the Bucks have been outscored in the fourth quarter 28 points. You, 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 you're not going to win that way. Now, granted, I understand it's because they've had leads going into, and the Bucks have only, prior to the postseason, when leading after three quarters, the Bucks have lost one game when leading after three quarters, all season long, one game, until... The other night, one time all season. So even that feeling of invincibility is gone. You can't. No lead is too big for a team that can shoot to three and get hot the way the 76ers can. And we talked about this coming into the series, that this team, when they're on, they can shoot with anybody. Shoot with anybody. Tonight is as big a must win as the Bucks have had for a while now. You know, going all the way back to last postseason, I guess, would be the best way to put it. Being down 0-2 in a series and, and coming back and getting a win. Uh, this is a huge must win tonight for the Bucks. Get home court advantage back. Come back. Try to slay this dragon at home and end it. Bucks lose tonight. Uh, you and I both said it yesterday. After watching that game on Monday night, we kind of had the gut feeling that this is going to be the 76ers year. Um, if I had to put money on it, I would put money on the Sixers. To win the series, the Celtics. My heart says, or the uh, the the, Celt uh, the Celtics. Yes, I'm sorry. No, the 76ers, Sixers aren't winning the series. No, yes. they were killed last night. <laughs> we don't need to talk yeah, about no, that. Yeah, the Seventy Sixers. As a matter of fact, the reason I think I thought of that is the Seventy Sixers. Uh, there's some highlights going on with the Seventy Sixers game last night right in front of me. 
uh, or low lights if you uh, are looking at it from your perspective. Quite low. But but uh, it, I tonight is as big a must win. You got to slay that dragon that is the Boston Celtics. We we knew they could get hot and they could shoot. They're proving it now. And the 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 Bucks positively absolutely have to get the win tonight. I've I've just kind of come to that conclusion. So we'll see if they can actually do it. We'll talk about it a lot coming up today. We're going to get the Boston perspective at some point, and uh, we'll talk a lot. Last night, you had the good and the bad of the Milwaukee Brewers, too. And do the Brewers have a pitching question? And I know it's a crazy statement, but uh, I don't think it's that far out of the realm of possibility. So we'll get into that. Uh, and then the announcement, we because they're trickling it out for tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is the official unveiling of everyone's schedule in the NFL. And game by game, it starts to trickle out. And then we find out today, lo and behold, Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys are coming into Lambeau Field. How about that? Mike McCarthy, the Dallas Cowboys, coming into Lambeau Field. Mike coming home. And uh, we'll see what kind of a reception the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers give him. But, yeah, the uh, Dallas Cowboys announced today that they are coming to Lambeau Field in conjunction with uh, the Green Bay Packers. So all of that going on. But uh, tonight, uh, I think we're all hunkered down. While we all want to watch, you know, baseball in the afternoon and such and watch the Brewers, hopefully the Brewers get that, that the rubber game today as they lost the first game of this series, get back-to-back wins against Cincinnati and get the hell out of town. Uh, in Cincinnati, I give them credit. They just kept banging away yesterday. But uh, the the Buc- or the Brewers ultimately got the win. But the Bucks game tonight, I think, is the big, the big key for everybody. It's must see TV. Being as warm as it is, being as warm as it is, uh, I think uh, tonight is an outside cigar TV on kind of night, tiki bar kind of night tonight. So uh, we might even uh, find ourselves in the midst of a uh, live stream before it's all said and done. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, by the way, a complicated fellow says, did you know Mike McCarthy is a Super Bowl winning coach? He'll tell you that. Let's just state the facts. I mean, I'm a highly successful NFL head coach. There you go. Let's just state that fact. Highly successful. Winning percentage-wise, he is. You can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. There is, you know, and I know people make fun of Mike, but there is something to be said about setting up an organization – around what it is you do, and having wins and success. Now, championship success has eluded him. But for the most part, when you talk about wins and losses and winning percentage, he is. When can you think of the last head coach that made himself, won a championship, continued to win, albeit fail when it came to championships, but continued to win and has had as much you know, uh, you know, fun poked at him, and he continues to win. Who who else has – the last guy I can remember getting this kind of grief would be Barry Switzer. But we all know Barry Switzer won with, with you know, the, uh, the, the complement of players that Jimmy Johnson put together. But the last coach that was a winner – that had a winning percentage that I can remember. I, I that that has had this kind of fun made of him. I I can't remember. It it completely escaped. Now we've known a lot of coaches who stunk, 
who had fun made of them at their expense. But I cannot remember the last winning head coach that has had this kind of been a target where people just flat out make fun of the guy. Does John Gruden apply? Does John Gruden have a winning percentage? Have a, is he on the winning side or is he on the losing side? One seventeen. Because we know John Gruden. John, well, John Gruden. Took, here's the thing: John Gruden's championship came with Tony Dungy's players, right? He took over because Tony Dungy didn't get it done in Tampa Bay. John Gruden took over the next year. They won a championship. It was basically Tony Dungy's team. And John Gruden ended up facing his old team. At that point in time, was it the Oakland Raiders or the L.A. Raiders? I can't remember where the hell they were at. But he faced the Raiders in the Super Bowl. And John Gruden, uh, I wonder what John Gruden would have been in Las Vegas had he not had the emails exposed. I wonder what he would have ended up. So I, I that, that's a good point. But John Gruden, John Gruden making more fun of him has come from his stint in the in the Monday Night Broadcast booth with Mike Tirico than it was necessarily as a head coach for bad decisions, bad play calling, bad, bad, you know, just clock management, bad everything. Whereas McCarthy gets ripped for offense he gets ripped for defense he gets ripped for clock management he gets ripped for his looks he gets ripped he gets ripped all he's done is he's been a head coach that's it and he's had success what is McCarthy's winning percentage do you have that in front of you Ben no pull it up okay let me know what McCarthy's winning percentage is because all the guy's done is win he did not win a championship in Green Bay after the 2010 602 that I can 602 that's pretty high for a guy that people continuously rip. Down down the stretch towards the end, yeah, he he uh, it was time to go, and I I don't necessarily like firing coaches because of the ineptitude of players, and he clearly had a clash with Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers kind of drove him out of town, so we understand that. Uh, and it was probably a year too long, and I, I admit that. But as far as being a bad, uninformed head coach, I, I the guy wins. He kind of gives me Andy Reid vibes, but the Super Bowls were won on the other side of their success, with Reid getting his recently and McCarthy right. getting his at the beginning. Right. But this is one of those prove-it years for Mike, too, and I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that with a successful coach, but uh, it is because we know all the different things that are waiting in the wings, and we know, you see, going back to owner versus Packers, Packers have this board, and as long as you're winning and you're making them money and things are trending in the right direction, you have a job. But when things look as if they're not trending in the right direction and you don't have the ability to get that team over the next hump, just via your own ability, that's when things become tenuous in Green Bay. Whereas in Dallas, it, whatever side of the bed Jerry wakes up on, if Jerry wakes up and says, "No, we got to make a change," I, I'm just I'm, I'm hell bent on making a change. We're making a change. Then that's it. One dude changes things. The emotions of an owner can change things. Whereas the Green Bay Packers kind of stay steady like a rock, steady like a, an iceberg, moving slowly and methodically. 
Uh, Jerry can just wake up one day and say, nope, that's not it. I'm going to go with somebody else. There's somebody else I like, somebody I ran into, somebody a fan told me about, whatever. Whatever Jerry's emotions are that day, he can go. So I still think this is one of those years with Sean Payton sitting and waiting in the wings, and there's been a lot of talk about that. I, I think this is that year that Mike McCarthy specifically is – I can't. it's hard to believe, but he's on the hot seat. Got a lot to prove down in Dallas. A lot to prove down in Dallas, even with the loss of Amari Cooper. One of the better weapons for Dak Prescott. But And also you want to see if Dak Prescott takes another step forward under the tutelage of Mike McCarthy. But let's be honest. Mike McCarthy, as a head coach, going through these, quote, quarterback camps, these this quarterback school, the Mike McCarthy, McCarthy guru school, Aaron Rodgers turned out. Who else did? Who else turned out? Brian Brom, any of these guys that... You know, Seneca Wallace, any of these guys they brought in, any of these guys they drafted? No, they really didn't. They didn't turn out. He he got Aaron Rodgers given to him, and then he inherited Dak Prescott. Can Dak Prescott now take the next step? So anyway, uh, the Packers are going to be hosting the Cowboys. Let's do this. We're going to step away. Take a quick break. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Show. Is this a must-win tonight for your Milwaukee Bucks? Stay tuned. Coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Missing a lot that I usually make. I'm still confident, still going to take the shots, and I mean, that's all I really can do. I'm not going to be passive or or submissive, just be confident and and try to look at it go through the room. Big one coming up for the Milwaukee Bucks. Drew Holiday there. And uh, the uh, Bucks uh, mixed up in a must win tonight against the Celtics. Got to get it. Got to get it. This is uh, tied at two apiece. The winner of game five in a series that is tied at two apiece, 70% of the time goes on to win the series. Must win in my book. Thinking a lot about it. Um, Just last night, uh, talking about it uh, with a couple of friends this morning. I didn't get a workout in today. I got into one of those conversations. I I gave a buddy of mine a call. We started just kind of shooting the stuff and next thing you know we turned with our sights on the Milwaukee Bucks started talking about this contest tonight and yeah he kind of convinced me it's it's a must win must win so uh we're gonna talk a lot about that today uh the Brewers get a win last night knock off Cincinnati some pitching questions have arisen about Devin Williams and the ability to throw strikes consistently not being able to get the fastball over. When he doesn't get the fastball over, gets behind in the count consistently, that that big, hard-breaking change that he throws becomes somewhat ineffective because he's got he's to come across the plate. And last night, consistently, he found himself in a jam. Last night, Devin Williams, two-thirds of an inning, a couple of hits, three runs, three walks, and in two-thirds of an inning, through 38 pitches, only 18 of them, for strikes. Now, we have seen this out of Devin Williams so far this season, where there are a lot of times when he pitches rather well. Rather well. 
but uh, there there are times where he just he has he has struggled. There's been a couple of times where he's gotten out of it. But the, the only reason I bring this up, you throw this up because the thought process is, should anything happen to Hater? And last night I was listening to the broadcast and they had a lot of discussion about the back issues um, regarding uh, Josh Hader and the fact that he hasn't thrown a whole lot. They've been trying to save him. Between him and Devin Williams, uh, at the end of May last year, they were two of the most used relievers in Major League Baseball. This year, they've not been used nearly as much, specifically Hayter. Uh, he's gotten, obviously, some use early on, and, and both of them early on this year. And then after that, uh, it kind of calmed down. The, the Brewers were just beating up on teams in, in the double-digit facets and therefore had big leads and didn't need to use Devin Williams, didn't need to use Josh Hayter, and Hayter had the back spasm, so it was good. So the question became, you know, if Devin Williams – does not throw strikes consistently, God forbid anything happened to Hayter. Williams was supposed to become your de facto closer. But if he's not going to be able to throw strikes consistently and struggle, and struggle, then what? Now, uh, prior to, he's thrown quite a few clean innings. Nothing major to uh, to fret about. But... This season has not been been great. There have been times, you go back to that series in Baltimore, he threw a third of an inning, struggled again with his pitches, had 28 of them, 28 pitches in a third of an inning. He just couldn't find it. Then you look at the St. Louis series, again, two-thirds of an inning, 37 pitches, gave up a couple of hits, two runs, had three walks, a couple of strikeouts, between that and what he we saw last night hasn't been terrible. As a matter of fact, it's been damn good. But for the amount of pitches, he, he, he gets into that funk where he just cannot find the plate. And last night was another one of those examples. Now, you keep going to him. I'm not saying that all of a sudden it's problematic. you got to send him down or something like that. But uh, that's just it's, – it's one of those things where – I as as I make notes through the season and I make mental notes, I, I'm constantly putting notes on my phone. One of those things last night where I said, third time Devin Williams has come in and not been able to find the plate, and I highlighted it on the date. So going all the way back to uh, April 10th, or excuse me, uh, April 13th and then 17th, three times within a month's time, we have seen him struggle and just not be able to find the plate. For the most part, though, it's been pretty good. Can't say a whole lot about it. Also, Brandon Woodruff, he's had a couple of tough outings this year. So it happens. I get it. But it's one of those things where I say, okay, just keep an eye on this. Keep an eye on this. Keep an eye on this. Mike says, come on, man. Brewers troubles, they're 20 and 11. You know what, Mike? You're the exact guy that told me to shut up last year at the end of August when I said they're starting to struggle. And people went crazy saying, how can you say that? Look at their record. Look where they're at. And then damned if they didn't get beat in the postseason. When you see a problem, you make a note of it. I never said the Brewers overall. That's not what I said. What I said is, in that pitching area with Devin Williams, at times, he can come in and really struggle. 
but it's only his third up or it's only his third time really struggling to find a plate in numerous opportunities. So not overly concerned, but it's one of those things you make a note of. I will never again listen to the masses that tell me to shut up when I see it coming. Never. Last year, I said in the last two weeks of August, this team is not playing great baseball. They started to struggle. They weren't hitting. Things weren't good. Shut up. They got a lead. Are you stupid? And then here came the here come the Cardinals. They started making the charge. We all know that. But I kept looking at the Brewers thinking, this team is not playing their peak right now. They peaked between the second, right after the All-Star break, they peaked into the, say, the second to third week of August. And then things became a little bit tough for them. And they just didn't look right. And then sure enough, we saw in the postseason exactly what happened. Never going to do it again. If I'm wrong, I'd rather be wrong. But I'm not going to listen to the masses just to shut up just because you want to believe that everything's perfect when I can see something different. Uh, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, feel free. Got you covered. Um, Mark says, uh, Devin Williams should be fine. But I was wondering why last night Craig Council let him go so long. Well, here's the reason, because at the time, you were up 5-1. to one. That's the reason you were up 5-1 to one at that time. So you, you let him go for a little bit. You, you, you know, let him try to dig back out of it. He just wasn't able to dig out of it. You watched him struggle, and all of a sudden, bases are loaded. And then a couple of knocks later, and you're back into a tight game. This was Craig Council last night on the struggles of Devin Williams. They had good at bats. I mean, it, you got to give them credit. They had good at bats. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything more than that. Obviously, you didn't make some pitches that you want to, but they also had great at bats. So they gave him a tough, tough inning. Um, he's right. But here's the thing: when you're not throwing strikes, it's easy to have good at bats because you know going up, don't, don't, don't be ripping, don't be ripping right now because even his fastball isn't finding the plate. Not consistently. So don't go up and start. When you've got a pitcher struggling to throw strikes, you don't go up and start ripping. You look for that first pitch fastball, and if you get it and it's it's right down Wisconsin Avenue, then you go ahead and crush it. Otherwise, wait till he starts throwing consistent strikes. And if you're ahead in the count, he's not going to give you that, that devastating changeup that he's developed. He's not going to give you that. And that's what that's the approach they took last night. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Hit us up. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break, hang in there. We got a lot more. The Bill Michael Show. It's coming up. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. It is back. Wednesday Night Live is back. We're only a couple of weeks away. We are exactly two weeks. Away, two weeks away from today, that Wednesday Night Live is back at the Wisconsin State Fair Park. Gates open up at six. Free, by the way. Motorcycle parking free. Cars, I think it's like five bucks, but free admission. Come on out. It is music under the stars, and I cannot wait. It is the sense and the semblance of getting back to the sense of normalcy, of getting back to our summer, of enjoying the warmer weather. It is our sense of getting back. At the Wisconsin State Fair Park coming up two weeks from tonight. Rebel Grace takes the stage. Cannot wait. Brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. We'll be back. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
threw it two away. Struck him out. Strikeout number 500 in the career of Josh Hader, and it's in a Brewers victory. If it's possible that he's getting better, it, it feels like he's getting better, and that, that's what makes it so impressive. So he passes a milestone, and he passes a milestone, in my mind, getting better. And then that's what he con seemingly continues to do, is improve on greatness, um, if that makes sense even, but uh, he, he continues to do that. Josh Hader, 500 strikeouts. The last one being the save last night as the Brewers get the win 5-4 to four over the Cincinnati Reds and the Brewers go on to victory. Um, in the meantime, you've got uh, the Brewers after uh, last night's contest, by the way, when they get uh, that 20th win that was a, a little bit elusive, the 20th win of the season. Cardinals lost last night. Cardinals have now lost three straight. And the Brewers put a little more space between themselves and the Redbirds. Uh, now three games up in the division, seven games ahead of Pittsburgh, nine ahead of uh, Chicago, and 13 and a half. Their season's over uh, from the six-win Cincinnati Reds. 13 and a half games back the Reds are. Brewers back at it again today. And uh, the Brewers, by the way, that is an 11.30 Central time start today. So, for many of you on this network, you may lose us. So what you want to do, if you want to continue to listen and talk some more Bucks basketball, Packers football, uh, download the app, W-O-Z-N, The Zone out of Madison, The Zone Madison app. Download it, and you can continually listen to the program or subscribe over on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com. Again, that's YouTube.com. And all you have to do is find us that way. Uh, simply go to Bill Michaels Show. That's Bill Michaels Show. And you can find us there and subscribe. And many of you have. We're uh, creeping up on 2,300 subscribers that watch the show on a daily. So uh, we have, not only do we appreciate it, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, like I said, it's a great way to pay attention to the program. So thanks for uh, joining us over there. Uh, our buddy Steve says, uh, good, day, good day, Bill. First of all, thoughts on the on prayers for the uh, family of uh, Dauber Bob Lanier. Uh, yeah, Bob Lanier passing away. He was only like, I think, 76 years old. That was it. That was a little disappointing. Uh, well, really disappointing, as a matter of fact, to, to see that when I woke up this morning. Uh, he said, I was fortunate enough to meet him and uh, on a flight from LaGuardia and say that he was a true gentleman is an understatement. It was just unfortunate that he wasn't able to win an NBA championship. Now for the Brewers, I was real high on Devin Williams early this year, and he's proving me wrong. I, I don't know if he uh, his struggles last night or among uh, – the amount of time that Craig Council left him in just frustrated me more. Uh, I am glad they were able to stop the bleeding and pull out the win. Let's hope the crew can have a good getaway day and uh, a happy trip to Miami later this afternoon. That's our buddy Stephen Richfield. I, I, I don't know. Now, Ben, do you think Craig Council left him in too long? Two-thirds of an inning. I, I don't think he left him in too long. I don't know. It's tough because it was clear that the command was not really there yet. It also, I mean, here's the thing. If Arias doesn't make that play, the Reds probably take the lead in the game. So I think there is an argument that he did, uh, although it didn't really matter at that time. I probably would have would have yanked him, but I right. don't know if I would have loved to have to put Hader in that spot. Right. And Hader wasn't I, uh, warming up at that point. Yeah, Hader wasn't up at that point. Um I think council, there are times, council, the only time council 
does not really give an opportunity to a pitcher to pitch out of it is when you're creeping up on pitch counts or in a tight ball game where it's just clear that you know you there just isn't that ability to give when you have a 5 to 4 lead when they pick up those few runs in the 8th and you thought okay they've got that breathing space you know so if Devin Williams comes in and gives up a couple of runs you know not a big deal the problem was loading the bases and then obviously the subsequent knock after that he really just wanted him to get out of the inning so you didn't have to burn up you know Hater or anybody else for that matter and uh, he just he just wasn't able to do it, and then ultimately he had to go out and get him. But that being said, um, I don't have a problem with him leaving him in the way he did. And, and the reason why, and here's the reason why, even though Perdomo had to come in just get that that third of an inning, just get that 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 out, and that was it. Um, because at that point in time, it kind of felt like the Brewers' bats were heating up, and I think there's a level of confidence knowing that, you know what, if they tie this thing up, I'm not overly concerned. We can go ahead and get a couple of runs because it's a terrible bull. Their bullpen is awful. You have a lot of confidence after seeing what you did to them only a week ago at Great American Ballpark. The confidence is pretty high that you're going to win the game. And you started to hit the ball against them. You put up 10 runs in two games against them. You feel like you can go ahead and score a couple more. So I don't think, uh, by the way, Bob Lanier was 73, not 76, 73 which is really young still. Uh, but anyway, long story short, I didn't think that that counsel left him in too long. I really wanted to see. I, I, I know what he was doing, trying to give him confidence to get him just to throw some strikes. That was it. Just go throw some strikes. See if you can't get ahead in the count so you can make that changeup devastating. Otherwise, you can't throw that changeup because everything you were trying to do, you were trying to hunt and peck the corners, and you just didn't have control. You couldn't control the fastball. So I get what he was trying to do. I Look, they won the game. I'm good with it. But it was one of those things, like I mentioned earlier, where I just kind of put in the back of my mind and said, you know, uh, I'm going to pay attention to Devin Williams. Josh Hader gets his 12th save of the year, and he throws one inning, gives up a walk, a couple of strikeouts, and um, ultimately gets that 500th strikeout of his career. He continues to climb the board when it comes to saves in the organization as well, trying to get to Dan Plesak from years gone by. But uh, Josh Hader, one of the best relievers ever, one of the best closers in Brewers history's history ever. Uh, he's right up there with the Axeman, John Axford. Uh, 877-867-1670. Uh, Brett says, by the way, I have a feeling that Bobby Portis is going to have a huge game. Same with Holiday. Giannis going to cool off, uh, cool off Al Horford. Bud makes adjustments because that's the only time he does when our backs are against the corner. Against the corner, uh, got Bucks winning tonight. Go Bucks! Fear the deer. Uh, Douglas says, "Yeah, the Bucks are uh, Brewers are in a little bit of a slump, but they're going to be okay. Bucks are in need of a big game from the players uh, not named Giannis tonight. If traveling uh, ever gets called against uh, again in the NBA, Giannis is done. Right, Giannis, Giannis." The Euro step and two steps after that, and yeah, there's there's no traveling in the NBA. We've named it something. You can't name it something and then call that it's illegal. Once it's named, it has to be allowed. It's now the Euro step. It's move your feet, take two big steps, and dunk. Or move your feet, take two big steps, and get a layup. Draw a foul. You, you can basically, from the top of the key to the hoop, not worry about traveling anymore. It just, it just isn't called. <laughs> it's just, 
It's not called. The most egregious thing we've ever seen was when LeBron James caught an inbound pass and literally ran like six or seven steps before he started dribbling the basketball, and nothing was called. At that point is when I threw my hands in the air and said, ah, ah, they're not going to call it. When was the last time we saw a legitimate traveling called in the NBA? I can't remember. I can't tell you the last time traveling was called. Can't tell you the last time. I remember going through basketball camp as a kid and uh, at Elder High School, Hans Fry, he was the head coach and he was like God among men because he had won state championships in Ohio. And going through and catching the ball and, and, and going through the fundamentals of rotating on a foot, on one foot, keeping a foot planted, not dragging it, keeping one foot planted, but being able to do a full 360 tap, 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 around, keeping that foot planted. Otherwise, dragging it, moving it, anything in that realm would have been called traveling. Just being and all, a non-athlete. And then also, they used to have these gloves that you put on your hands, and they had these little knobs in the middle where, like where your palm was, so you would never palm the basketball. And you always had to dribble straight up and down, so you didn't carry it. Like today, you dribble, you put your hand under it, catch it, and roll it over, dribble, catch it, roll it over. Just same thing. It's just, you know, it, I, it's mind-numbing, I know, it, but the problem is everybody does it. So you can't um, you, you can't say, well, it's not called against, you know, it's only not called against your team. It's called, it, nobody calls it anymore. Officials have given up. It just won't happen anymore. <laughs> Scott says traveling has been called multiple times in the current series. If a guy is losing balance, if a guy is falling over, yes, but not when it comes to catching a ball, bringing it down, making a move, and then going up with a hoop. That, that's what I'm talking about. When was it legitimately called? Other times when guys are falling out of bounds, guys are moving, guys are slurping around. Yeah, I get that. But I'm talking about in an actual move. It just very rarely happens. Very rarely happens. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. hit us up? Feel free. Um, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. I, I want to get back to this. Do you agree? Is tonight a must win for the Milwaukee Bucks? Because if they lose this game tonight, you feel like the, the series is over, like Boston is going to walk away with it. I already feel like Boston is the better team through three games. After losing that first one, Boston has played better and has outscored the Bucs when it comes down to key moments. When it comes down to fourth quarter, Boston has outscored the Bucs by uh, 28 points. 877 867 877-867-1670. 1670. If you want to hit us up, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Stay tuned. Got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Welcome back to the program. Bill Michael's show. We continue on. I want to remind you, our friends at Wisconsin, Harley-Davidson, it's riding season. I'm going to get out today, as a matter of fact. Today's going to be a good day. Uh, I got a couple of meetings uh, um, out during, you know, in some areas with good rides today. So today I'm jumping uh, on the motorcycle and going to the meetings. So I cannot wait. Uh, really looking forward. And it's the first riding portion of the year that you can ride without a heavy coat or anything like that. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it this afternoon and then getting home and watching the Bucks game tonight. But if you are, if you are looking for a lot of different stuff, motorcycles new and used, they continue to come in out of Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. If you are looking for motor clothes, if you are looking for parts, accessories, great service, whatever it is, go out and see my buddy Craig Winger. He is the general manager. Go in and see Craig. Say, Craig, I either need a bike, I need service, take care of this. Craig's a good guy. He'll help you out. Okay? Very reasonable. Too easy. Great to work with. Really sincerely great to work with. In addition to that, Wisconsin Harley-Davidson, again this year, is the landing spot for our motorcycle ride. Coming up on Sunday, September 4th. That is Sunday, September 4th. And if you want to be a part of it, you want to ride, or you know somebody who is a rider, we are getting into pre-registration. And pre-registration, we've already got uh, quite a few that have pre-registered. I'm a little bit surprised. It's really early, but people are really emphatic and enthusiastic about this. They want to put their stamp on it. So if you want to find it, you can always go to uh, facebook.com slash run, And right off to the left-hand side, there's a link there. You can go and get pre-registered. Or... You can find everything. Sign up today for the amazing ride in September. Go to fisherhousewi.org. That's fisherhousewi.org. And it continues to get bigger and better. And we got some more stuff in the works. We got some really cool stuff in the works. So uh, we're going to go to the Rock Complex this year where they're bringing in a band. We get to do some stuff in the new complex that they're building with Top Golf. Uh, they're going to have some uh, other amenities there when we pull in. Uh, we got another one. We are heading to Alpine Valley this year. It's, it's a unique ride. It's not tra- tra- traditionally going just bar to bar. Uh, so we're going then down to Alpine Valley and uh, experiencing that. And then after that, uh, hitting one of the more traditional, uh, you know, biker, ro- biker run type of bars that welcomes in motorcyclists. And then off to Wisconsin Harley where we have music. Got good. We haven't announced the band yet. Ready to announce the band any day. Uh, but we'll get to the bands, and then we're going to have a flyover. We're going to award prizes. I mean, this is going to be really, really special. So, anyway, uh, please, though, follow us. Pass it along. Follow us. Facebook.com slash BigUnitPokerRide. Facebook.com slash BigUnitPokerRide. And you can follow all the events and all the doings and all the details going on right there as well. Good stuff. Uh, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. This one's from Zach. Zach said, "Unit, you, you better bet your sweet ass this is a must win. Drew Holiday has to step up. Giannis is doing it all, and I get that Giannis has to shoot a better percentage. He's shooting now his lowest percentage since 2015. But for this team to win, Drew Holiday has to step up, and so does Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton. It cannot all be Brooke Lopez. I look for Bobby Portis to have a big night. Bud needs to pull his head out of his rear end and get George Hill off the floor after playing so many minutes in Game 4 uh, and get him back to putting Bobby Portis out there and being a enforcer. There you go. That's from Zach. Zach, appreciate the email. Good stuff. I think Bobby Portis will get some more some more minutes. You can't do the same thing. You can't. You can't do the same thing tonight coming up. You just can't do it. Uh, I look for this team to do things differently. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I wanted to say I look for this team to get a win, but I can't say that. Um, ben, if you're putting money down tonight, who's winning? Boston. 
honestly? Give me a point spread. No point spread? Sorry, I had a little uh, disconnect. I oh, I don't you. know. I think Boston by three or four. Definitely close. Uh, yeah, that's not a bad way to go. I think the point spread's four and a half, isn't it? Five and a half is what I last saw. Five and a half? Okay, five and a half. Um, Boston by six tonight. If I have to make a choice. I don't want to. Boston by six. That's where I'm going to go right now. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Hit us up. Again, 877-867-1670. Going to talk some Packers when we come back. Mark Schofield going to be joining us. We're going to talk Packers. We're going to talk a little bit about this Packers team, how they're putting it all together. How good are they? And uh, does anybody else have the same gut feeling that I do that they're going to find themselves another veteran before it's uh, training camp time? Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up. The Bill Michael Show podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.